us remain standing and sing with us, It Is Well With My Soul, certainly a hymn that was written uh, in a time when a, a family felt the same pain that this family is going through today, It Is Well With My Soul. of John and Monica and the rest of the Marques family, I want to welcome you today and thank you for your attendance and supporting this family. And thank you to all of you who were at the funeral home last night. Your attendance was a great encouragement to John and Monica, and they expressed that this morning. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, we're going to proceed through this service, and I want to share with you who will be sharing uh, in the order they will be appearing. Uh, John's best friend, Philip Timothy, will be coming to present the obituary followed by a church friend, Jennifer Pastor, who will present a reading of a, a book that has meant something to John and Monica during this time. Randy will come back and lead us in some congregational singing. We'll have a prayer by church member Dale Weingart, special music by Randy, and then I'll return to lead us in our message today. Molly Kate Marques, May 24th, 2009, August 25th, 2009. Molly passed away suddenly <clears throat> Tuesday, August 25th, 2009, one day after her three-month birthday at Rapids Regional Medical Center. Parents John and Monica, big brother Nolan, Anthony Marques, grandparents Sonia Marques, Pineville, and Bobby and Carolyn Nolan of Plainview, 
and great-grandmother Ima Odom, Plainview, aunts, uncles, and cousins, David Marquez Pine, Teresa and Pat Gorey of Lake Charles, and children Taylor, Adam, Alex, Allison, and Colin, Carolyn, Todd Babb of Glenmore, and children Tyler and Jacob, Larry and Bridget Odom of Plainview, and children Jordan, Dylan, and Madison. Molly was proceeding to death by her grandparents, Donald Marquez and Nettie Marie Odom, who she will be buried next to, and Donna Marquez and great-grandparents, Mr. and Mrs. Anthony Poppy Marquez, Mr. and Mrs. Ollie Woods, Albert Odom, and Mr. and Mrs. Albert Heyman. <coughs> Though her life was short, her impact will be felt forever by those she leaves behind. <coughs> Since that day, I have tried to come up with words to console them. I wish there was something I could say to make you feel at least a little bit better. But deep down, I know there's not. I have struggled. I have struggled mightily to find the right words. But I can't. To express my sorrow, I feel for you. Molly will always be your sweet little angel. She will be with you always in your minds and hearts. Your memories will shine forever, although bittersweet. But I do hope that you will make, take this comfort in those memories of the short time she was able to be here. You do not realize how she has impacted the lives of so many. Right now, it's hard to fathom, but your pain over time will fade. Your tears will slowly stop, and your grief will finally diminish. One day, without realizing it, a thought will bring a smile to your face and a touch to your heart. That will be your Molly. But until that day comes, hold on to each other tightly. Heap your love on Nolan and gather your strength from your many friends, your family, and especially your Lord. The book that I'm going to read was given to Monica Thursday night by her niece, Taylor, and it meant enough to them that John and Monica wanted it read today. The book is adapted from the book Born to Fly, An Infant's Journey to God. Are you there, God? Yes, I am here, Molly, the Lord whispered. Where am I? You were in the womb of your mother, God smiled. Oh, what is that sound, Molly asked. It's the voice of your mother, Molly. She is singing to you. It's beautiful. Yes, she loves you very much, God said. I feel warmth on my back, Molly whispered. Yes, she is rubbing her stomach caressing you the best she can right now. She is speaking to me, Molly. She is asking me to care for you. I will kick her back so she knows I love her, too, Molly said excitedly. God smiled. Now what is she saying, God? Your mother is laughing, Molly. 
She is happy, isn't she, God? Yes, Molly, she is happy. I hear a different sound. What is that? It's the voice of your dad, Molly. He sounds strong, Molly said. Yes, answered God. Does he love me too? More than his own life, God whispered. When do I get to see him, God? Not for a while, Molly. I'm not feeling so well, God. I know, Molly, but soon you will fly. I will fly? Yes, God smiled. Will my mother fly with me? Someday, God said. I think I'm ready, Molly whispered. I know, my child. Is it time to fly now, God? Yes, God said gently and wiped his eyes. When will I see you, God? Very soon, Molly. Is that my mother and dad? Yes, Molly, God said, and pulled the child onto his lap. Why are they crying? They cry for you, my child, God answered as he wrapped his arms around the girl. Why do they cry for me, Molly asked. Because they want to hold you in their arms, Molly. But instead, you hold me in your arms, huh, God? Yes, Molly, God said. Why does that make them sad, God? I like it in your arms. They love you very much, Molly. It can make a mommy and daddy's heart sad when they don't get to hold their children. I know how it feels to watch my child die. Have I died, God? Just on earth, Molly. I don't feel dead. I feel very much alive. Watch how fast I can run, Molly crawled down from God's lap. Yes, Molly, you are fast, God clapped. Now watch me fly, Molly said as she soared high. You are amazing, God laughed. Molly settled back in the safety of God's arms and said, When will my parents fly, God? Someday, my child. Will we fly together? Yes, Molly, my mark is on their foreheads. Good, Molly said. Will you tell them I am safe and happy? I will comfort them, my child. Will they be happy again? Yes, child, they will heal. And someday we will all get to be with you, huh, God? Yes, Molly, someday, God promised. I love you, God, Molly said as she snuggled close to God. I love you too, Molly, God said as he put his hands on her head. Take good care of my parents until they fly, Molly said. I promise, God whispered. These next two songs that we're about to sing together, um, today will be a reminder of our pain, and yet I hope in the future it will be a reminder of your comfort and your peace, because those of us that believe in Jesus and have him as our Savior, nothing, 
not even this pain, this sorrow, can separate us from his love. Sing with me now. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus loves me this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he I'm going to ask you to do something before I pray. I want you to take the hand of the person sitting next to you. Grasp it firmly. You know, I listened to many of you who came to the funeral home last night. You don't know what to say. Words cannot express what the feeling we have for this family. And then I thought about the purpose of the church, the very body of Christ, joined together with God's strength and with God's compassion, God's love, and most important, God's presence. Recognizing that the power of God is in us. And through the gift of His Spirit. As I pray, I'd like for you to pray. Pray that the Spirit will transcend through your fingertips to your neighbor as we join together as one body, surrounding, immersing this family in the very bosom of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, the darkness consumes this family. The loss of an innocent child, a daughter three months of age called home. Lord, it's difficult to understand the frailty of a child. God, how does this family get through the darkness? How do they persevere?
God, you've given us a precious gift, the seal of our inheritance, the gift of you, Father, living and breathing inside of us. And with the gift of your Spirit comes love, comes compassion, comes peace, and comes grace. Father God, I just pray that the grace of you, Lord, be poured out on this family, to be poured out on these friends, and to be poured out abundantly. God, I pray for the faith and the love that are in Jesus Christ to immerse this family. Father, you are the God of love, God of peace, the God of tenderness, the God of compassion, and only through you, Father, will this family go forward. God, your word says that we've been justified through faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the peace of you, God, transcends all understanding. Father, we see this precious little girl. And we think about how fragile life is here as we know it. But God, through your plan of salvation, life does not end here. You provided the way for life to continue. Life does not cease to exist on this side of heaven. Life continues through heaven's gates. A place where there's no more pain. A place where there's no more tears. A place of eternal happiness and rest. God, you embrace Molly in your bosom. God, we thank you for Molly's life. Only the only, although only here for a short period of time, she resides in the hearts of all who knew her. The smiling face, the pink ruffles, the sweet smell of a baby child. God, thank you for the happiness that she's brought this family. God, you've etched the joy of her presence in the hearts and the minds of all who knew her. Father, when the darkness of sorrow consumes, I pray for your wonderful light of your spirit to penetrate the darkness. God, your light, the light of wonderful memories, fill their minds and their hearts with love and joy to overtake the sorrow. Father, only you can do this. God, I lift up Monica, and I lift up John and Nolan grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles. I rift up this entire family to you, placing them in the very palm of your hands. I pray that you will feel, they will feel your very real presence at this moment and allow you to carry them through, Father, moment by moment as they, as they face the challenges of each new day. God, teach us to set our hopes on heaven to hold firmly to the promise of eternal life. Father God, I lift up our pastor today as he shares comfort with his family. God, I ask all these things in the precious name of you, Father, Lord Jesus and Savior. Amen. In times like these, our comfort can come from the Scripture of what the Holy Spirit reveals to us in that. And Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians that in times of our greatest weakness, that His power is made perfect and that His grace is sufficient for all of our needs. 
This is not how it's supposed to be. This is not the kind of funeral a pastor is to have to preach. It's not the age of person that's supposed to die. And even more, parents are not supposed to have to bury their child, especially their baby. Someone asked me, how do you preach a funeral sermon for a three-month-old? And I answered, I'll tell you after I do it, and I probably won't even know then. And I can tell you, that's right where I am today. I have no wisdom for you. 
I have no answers. But I do pray that God speaks to you through my feeble efforts to wade through this time with you. To get some help in preparing for today's message, I sent out an email on Tuesday afternoon after I returned here to the church after being at the ER to several pastor friends and mentors to see if they had been where I knew I was about to be. And I received much help and encouragement from these men of God, and and without their help, I'm not exactly sure what uh, we would be doing today. Dr. Roger Sullivan, who many of you may know, shared the most helpful words of wisdom with me. Dr. Sullivan was one of my professors, an adjunct professor at Louisiana College, when he lost his daughter, Joy, about 10 years ago. Dr. Sullivan shared from his own experience, and he provided a, a math equation that may help all of us understand how great this pain is. And it certainly helped me. He said, love plus loss equals pain. Now, that may sound simple enough, but he said whenever you increase love or whenever you increase the amount of loss, pain is going to increase because it's an addition equation. And he said, we love nothing more than we love our children. And there's no loss like death. So today we are experiencing the greatest love plus The greatest loss equaling the greatest pain. Dr. Sullivan said, I didn't know a human could hurt that bad and live. There's no one here today except you guys who know that statement. Your hurt is exponential. But I do want you to hear what Dr. Sullivan said. He said, hurt that bad and live. You can live. You're hurting. You will be hurting for a long time. In the months and years to come, the grief will get better, but there will always be this memory, but you can still live. In times like these, everyone wants to ask the why question. For some reason, we think that if we knew why, We might feel better about it all. But the truth is, the answer to why won't help. Even if we knew why, we still wouldn't have Molly. And we'd probably be right back asking why. We've all heard three-year-olds or four-year-olds when we tell them to do something and we say they ask why and we say because of this and then they ask why and then they say we say because and they ask why the question why simply begets another question why there's really no answer to why dr sullivan helped me with this question of why as well he said the truth is We aren't sad because we don't know why. We're sad because of what we lost. So we need not worry about the answer. We're sad because Molly is not here. We're sad because our dreams for her will never be fulfilled. We're sad because of the loss, not because we don't know why. Why is not the question any of us needs to ask today. I think the question we need to ask is how. 
How do we survive this tragedy? And after we've survived, how do we handle this memory? And after we've handled this memory, how do we live for tomorrow? In truth, I have no answers for these questions either. But I believe God's word does. And so we'll ask each question and then allow God to speak to us. These three questions represent a journey that I think God's going to bring you through in the next few days and months and years. From survival to handling to living. The first question is how do we survive this tragedy? Right now all you can do is survive one minute to the next, one hour to the next, one day to the next. And that's where you will be for a while. I wondered what God's word says about this time. During this time of survival, God's word encourages us to call upon him and look to him. As I entered the ER on Tuesday and sat there waiting and praying with you, only one scripture came to mind. And I guess that's because it was the one I most needed and the one perhaps you most needed. And that was Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, which says, We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I summarize that by saying, God, we can't. You must. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. There's not a person in this room that knows how you can survive this tragedy. Only God knows. No person in this room can walk with you through every hour of every day. Only God can. None of us will be there when you awake in the middle of the night, cling to each other, and cry. Only God can. None of us will be there when you're just going through your normal day and all of a sudden one little thing will remind you of Molly and the rest of your day will have a cloud hanging over it because of that sadness. But God will be there. Put your eyes upon him. Listen to the word of the Lord today. First Chronicles chapter 16 verses 11 through 12 says, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done and the judgments he pronounced. Psalm chapter 13, verses 3 through 6 says, Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Psalm 18, verse 28 says, Lord, you light my lamp. My God illuminates my darkness. Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me. He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit Out of the mud and mire, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Jesus said in John chapter 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And he can say that because in Matthew he says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest. How do we survive? We fix our eyes on Jesus. We don't know what to do. And so our eyes are upon him. The second question is, how do we handle this memory? There will come a day, as Philip mentioned, when you'll begin to move past mere survival and you will begin to handle this memory. You'll never get over losing Molly, but you will learn how to handle losing Molly. One of the pastors who emailed me this week was Dr. Larry Baker, who's a former pastor of this church. He reminded me that as you learn to handle this memory, remember that you do not need to hide your feelings from God. When we read the Psalms, especially the Psalms of complaint, we hear the psalmist crying out to God and we read about the psalmist saying, God, what's going on? God, where are you? God, do you even care? And then outside of the Psalms, we see the classic biblical example coming for us in the book of Job. If we consider Job in relation to the equation of love plus loss equals pain, Job's pain was very great for he had lost everything. All of his children, all of his possessions, his whole family. Job's pain was about a 27 on a 10 point scale. He had lost everything and God makes it clear to Job that God's the one that allowed it to happen. In his struggle, we see Job letting his feelings be made known to God. Job was crushed. Job was mad. But through it all, Job never lost his faith in God. Job never cursed God. Job did not harbor anger against God. Instead, Job released his feelings to God. And in the end, Job is praised for his faithfulness and patience. In fact, little is made of any of his statements of frustration and anger or his questions. It's like God expected them. You don't need to hide your feelings from God. As we release our feelings to God, we can find part of our healing there. Frustration and pain and suffering and anger that lie unacknowledged can fester and become destructive. But when we pour out our hurt and our anger to God, the great physician then can lovingly lance that festering boil and allow it to drain from our souls. We can't explain it, but it is true. Pouring out our hearts and our minds and our souls to God can be the first step to healing. In Dr. Baker's email, he reminded me of the old gospel song entitled, Tell It to Jesus. That song is really a series of questions followed by a simple answer. Do you remember the questions? They say, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Are you grieving over joys departed? Do the tears flow down your cheeks unbidden? Do you fear the gathering clouds of sorrow? And the answer to all of those questions is tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus alone. You've no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Pour your heart out to God, but always be like Job who said in Job chapter 13 verse 15, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. 
Job never cast away his one sure hope. He challenged God. He railed against God. He bitterly questioned God, but he always, in the end, clung to his faith in God and God's ultimate mercy. As you begin to handle your loss in time, there will come a day when God can use your experience to help another couple in a similar situation. And that will be the time when you begin to handle it the most because you will then be helping someone else grieve through a similar process. In those times, remember 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, where Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. How do we handle this memory? We tell it to Jesus, and then we use it to help others. But the question that seems far out there today is the question, how do we live for tomorrow? You live for tomorrow in the very way that you've been living through this week, and that is you hang on to the hope of seeing Molly in heaven. Monica, the first question you asked me was, is she in heaven? You needed that assurance. And we knew that she was. And there, in that ER room, moments after Molly went to heaven, we prayed and we gave her to God. We asked Jesus to take care of her, and we asked his spirit to help you guys. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, we find King David going through an experience Much like your own, it's the closest experience in God's word to what you're going through. Like you, like all of us on Tuesday, when David knew his child was in grave peril, he prayed with every ounce of his being that that child's life might be spared. God knows we all prayed with every ounce of our being on Tuesday. But like David, in our experience, it ended the same way. Though we poured out our hearts before God, the child still died. And after his servants came and told him what had happened, David got up where he had been fasting and praying. He washed up, he ate, and then he went into the house of the Lord and he worshipped. He began to live again, and his servants were bewildered and When they asked for an explanation, David's answer was one of great wisdom and awe. He said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord might be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. David's reaction and statement helps us to know how we can live again. Certainly we claim that we know Molly can't come back to us, but we have the hope that we will go to her. We will see her in heaven. But also as we await, we can worship God as David did. We need to worship God, even in our times of sorrow, even during the greatest pain possible. We need to worship God because God knows our sorrow. Worship has a way of helping us deal with things. And as we worship God, we remember 
as we praise him for who he is, we remember how big he is and that he's big enough to handle the situation. He's big enough to handle our frustrations. He's big enough to help us handle this and to start living. John, you shared much wisdom with me as well this week when you sent the email that said you had been clinging to Habakkuk chapter 3. And Habakkuk himself speaks of worshiping God through it all. Habakkuk begins his book saying, God, where are you? God, why are things like they are? Things should be like this, but they're like this. And he ends his book in this way. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Molly is in heaven today, and while we wait to see her again, we worship our Lord. Jesus said in John 14, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. And you know the place to the, you know the way to the place where I'm going. John and Monica, family and friends, you know the way to heaven. That way is through the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. He is the way. And as you journey forward through survival and through handling and finally toward living, trust Jesus, cling to Jesus, and always allow Jesus to walk with you. I know you have lots of questions at this time. We all have lots of questions. Unfortunately, in God's word, he doesn't promise us answers to our questions. But what he does promise us is something even better than answers. He promises us his presence. He promises us, promises to be with us through the times when we have questions. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. And as you move through life, God will be with you. But as you go, never let go of his hand. Just as Molly is in his arms now, you need his arms. You you are his child. And you need to reach up and grab the hand of your Heavenly Father and allow him to walk you through this time. Ask questions. Express your grief. Pour out your heart. But do not let go of his hand. Precious Lord. Take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand. Precious Lord, lead me home. 
close with Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13. This is what the Lord says. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted. May we pray. Lord, we don't know what to do. And our eyes are on you. We know healing will come, but it's hard right now. And so now, Lord, right now we claim your promises. We rest upon you, our rock, in a weary land. In this moment, we come before you and we pray for strength. God, I lift up John and Monica to you. Only you know how much they're going to need you in the days to come. For only you have walked through couples like John and Monica before. And so, God, we pray that you will show yourself faithful to them every second of every day. And, Lord, we pray that you will strengthen them. Lord, may they pour their love onto their son and may they hold each other tight may they walk through this time with confidence that you are with them and may they lean upon you Lord for their family I pray for the strength that they will need to support John and Monica through this time God especially this next year will be extremely difficult As all of the things that they were looking forward to do with Molly for the first time will come and pass. We pray, God, for strength. Lord, they need you right now. I pray earnestly. That this church will be the church to this family. That we won't forget them in a couple of weeks. But that God will walk with them through this time until they're able to handle and to live again. We take your hand, Lord. And we pray that you will guide us through this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Cause you 
We conclude our service today with a scripture that has meant something to all of us during this time. It's mentioned in 
just about all of the Gospels. This reading is taken from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and following. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them. And he blessed them. I want you to hold that image in your mind of Jesus holding Molly. Having her in his arms. Putting his hands on them. On her and blessing her and helping her as she waits for you to join her. This concludes our service for today. And we're going to be dismissed uh, in this fashion. Uh, Those of you who are staying to eat in the activities building may make your way over there. And the rest of you who are friends are are welcome to exit the building. Uh, John and Monica would like a time of of quiet with um, their baby one last time. And so if we would all honor that, I know they would appreciate it. But you are dismissed. Thank you for your attendance.